Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhi nastafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rusuli wa khatami al-anbiya. Wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. Sometimes doing a good deed is the easier part. The challenge comes in preserving that good deed. Having it accepted with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam just concluded one of the greatest deeds and probably also one of the most unique deeds in the history of mankind. He completed the construction of the Kaaba. He did it with the help of Allah, with his son solo. There's two, three of them, they did it, two of them, and that was that. But after he finishes this construction and does this amazing act, the sadaqah of which is jariyah, and will, he will continue to reap the reward of this with every step that a person takes while doing tawaf. Everyone, he gets a reward for it. But at the end of it, he stands before Allah and makes dua, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Oh Allah, accept this, accept this deed from me. It's not just that you pray your salah and walk away. This is not good. Spend two minutes and ask Allah for acceptance. Raise your hands and make dua to Allah for guidance. That He allows you to come back here again and pray. Every time you finish salah, just take 30 seconds, raise your hands and say, Ya Allah, let me come back again soon. And inshallah, you'll be there for the next salah. One of the mashayikh would say, that a sign that a previous amal of yours was accepted is that Allah gives you the tawfiq to do it again. Because if He didn't love it the first time, why would He allow it to do it a second time? So if you want your first istighfar to get accepted, try again. And inshallah, that's a sign that Allah is accepting your good deeds. The famous muhaddith, Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani rahimahullah ta'ala, when he would teach hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sometimes he would become emotional and overwhelmed. So tears would come out of his eyes. But to save his deed and not let that moment turn into one that he is showing off in, he would turn his face to the side and start sniffling and he would say to the people, oh, this year my zukam is acting up. That maybe I'm catching something, maybe I'm under the weather, right? So it wouldn't be attributed that he's doing this out of taqwa publicly. He didn't want people praising him like that. It was something that, he was, that happened because of the moment that he was going through and something that he was experiencing. Understanding why people show off with their deeds is an important discussion. So that way we understand this concept of riyah a little better. There are some people, their purpose of showing off is to obtain a position, some sort of authority, and then right from the beginning, before they even gain that authority, they've already made their mind up that I will show off, I will fake in front of people front until I get that position. And then when I get that position, I'm going to usurp the wealth of other people. I'm going to steal from other people. This person is a crook through and through. That I'm going to act a particular way, 
present myself as a scholar, people will come to me, I'll prescribe wadifa to them, I'll write something tied around their necks and tied around their arms and tied around their feet, and then they will be attached to me and I will charge them for it, and I've already made my mind up how I'm going to scam people. Right from the beginning, this person's intentions are wrong. Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali says, this is the worst person, because there's no good in this person at all. They were corrupt right from the beginning. My teacher and Shaykh, Shaykh Yusuf rahimahullah, used to always say, he used to say the worst robber and the worst thief is the one who steals from people in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you want to steal from people, find another way and go and do it. But don't use the Quran, Sunnah, the Deen, the Masjid, du'as and these things and sometimes you know, manipulating people by saying that they have jinn and they have sihr and they have to come back to me and I'm the only one that can cure it. If you go to anyone else, no one will cure you. They won't be able to do it. Our shaykh used to say, this is the worst scam artist. This is the worst of thieves. The one who steals from people in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now you have another person. They're showing off. Why? Not because they want to manipulate or con people, but they're doing it because they're trying to get something that's already halal, but they know if they show off a little, the path to that will become easier. For example, there is a young man who wishes to get married. Now, he's going to propose to the girl's father, ask for the hand there, and then go to the girl's family and propose, and the families will meet and all that stuff. He says an easier path to doing this is, I'll just maybe pray salah in the same masjid as the girl's father. And I'll show him how on point my ruku' is. And when he sees my ruku', when he sees my sajda, then he will give me his daughter. One young man, he called me once. He said to me, Shaykh, this is the situation. The girl's father is here right now, and Isha Salah time is coming, I'm planning to lead it. So make dua that I kill it. <laughs> so then I said to him, by Allah, you won't lead that salah. We don't do sajda for anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I said, if you trust me, please for Allah's sake, don't lead that salah. It's very important right now you walk away from there. Stand in the back saf and pray quietly or go to another masjid right now. Never do sajda or pray salah knowing that you're doing it for someone else. That you can't do. Other mistakes you can make in your life, but you don't do ibadah with the niyyah of pleasing someone else. May Allah reward him. He walked away. And Alhamdulillah got the girl as well. Alhamdulillah. Allah gives to who He wills. Alhamdulillah. The third, Imam Ghazali points out, the third cause of people showing off isn't necessarily to gain something for themselves, but rather they do it. Why? Because they don't want people to blame them or point fingers at them for not doing the good deed. So the reason why that person's coming to salah isn't because they want people's praise, but they know that if they don't come to the masjid, everyone's going to say, where is that person? And they're going to attribute aid to that person, that this person is, we didn't see him in Jummah, what's going on here? So he's not coming necessarily to get praise, rather he's coming to dhar. He's coming to prevent any harm from coming on to him. This is also impermissible. All of these things need to be considered. They, they need to be taken into consideration. Now this raises another question. Is it prohibited in Islam to do good deeds publicly? Because if we're talking about this whole idea of showing off, 
I think the most obvious solution to this is don't do anything publicly. Just stay at home, pray your salah at home, do your tilawah at home, and do everything privately, quietly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us otherwise in the Quran. He praises both. In tubdu sadaqati fani'immahi. If you publicly give your charity, then that's a good thing. Fani'immahi. How amazing is that? Wa in And if you privately do it, but if you do it privately, khayr is in the meaning of akhiyar, it's in tafdeel, then that is better for you. Right away we see both things are praiseworthy. The Prophet ﷺ would pray his tahajjud salah mostly at home. It was a private affair, private matter. Most of the riwayat regarding the tahajjud salah of Nabi ﷺ were narrated by who? The family members of Rasulullah ﷺ. The famous riwayat of Ibn Abbas Baytuta to Ibn Abbas in the Khalatihi Maymuna, students of hadith, we study this thoroughly because it's a long narration of Ibn Abbas sharing the whole night routine of Rasulullah He went to his khala one day, Maymuna who was the wife of Rasulullah He said to her, may I spend the night at your house? By the way, how, many, how much time did Ibn Abbas spend with Rasulullah Anyone know? Famous narrator of hadith. How much time did he actually spend? If you follow the chain of events carefully, what you notice is Ibn Abbas actually did not move to Medina Munawwara until the conquest of Makkah. After the conquest of Makkah, Abbas and Ibn Abbas the family then began to be in Medina Munawwara. Before that they weren't. Therefore, if you count from there until when Rasulullah passed away, we're looking at roughly how many years? Three years. So Ibn Abbas and when Rasulullah passed away, according to the position of Imam Bukhari and others, Ibn Abbas was roughly 13 years old. He was a young kid. So at some point in these early years, 11, 12, 10 years old, he came to his aunt and he wanted to make up for the time that he lost out with Rasulullah Imagine this kid's wisdom and how eager he was. You know, kids in, at that age in our community are thinking about video games and they're thinking about donut shops and you know, ice cream or maybe ice cream and donuts together. That's what they're thinking of. And Ibn Abbas is thinking, how do I learn from Rasulullah So he comes to his aunt Maymuna and says to her, Auntie, I was thinking of spending the night at your house. She says, well, tonight might not be the best night because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is visiting me tonight. How about another day? He says, well, that's actually why I wanted to come. So then she says, okay, let me ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, invite him. So now Ibn Abbas has this long narration. It's a fascinating narration, one to cover one day, inshallah, in great detail. But when we look at that, we see that he is one of the people that narrates that the hajjud of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the sleeping habit of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wakes up, he's the one who tells us that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took his palms and the first thing he did was he wiped his eyes. And then he read the ayah, إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ الْآيَاتِ اللِّي الْأَلْبَابِ And Ibn Abbas says, I was faking that I was sleeping, but I was awake. I was what? And then I waited for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to get up, start his tahajjud. And when I knew that he was in prayer, he couldn't tell me to go back to sleep. Because that's what the kid's biggest fear in life is, right? All kids don't want to be told to go back to sleep. So when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam started his prayer, he said, then I got up and stood in salah next to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but I stood on his left side. Now if there's one, two people praying, one imam and one follower, where are they supposed to stand? 
on the right side, but he was standing on the left side. So he says, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he, he said, he, he's a kid, he didn't know. So he stood on the left side. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took his hand, reached from behind, grabbed him. This is like, by the way, this is a tough maneuver. If you try it, it's like a kumar on yourself, right? It's like a shoulder lock on yourself. He grabbed him from behind, and he said, from behind me, he pulled me to his right. Because pulling him from in front would mean that he is crossing a person that's praying salah, and you don't do that. So he brought him around from, from behind to his right side. So this is a lengthier narration. But we see Aisha radiallahu anha and others are narrating that the Hajjud Salah. Other Sahaba also narrate that the Hajjud of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam on occasion. Sometimes Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam prayed it in a public place. Other times in Safar, someone saw Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam praying while they were traveling. So they narrated it in, while Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was on pilgrimage or jihad or something like this. hal, we see that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam prayed Salah privately but also prayed Salah publicly. So both exist. However, when it comes to doing deeds publicly, there are some scenarios in which it is actually praiseworthy to do the deed publicly. But then there are other scenarios where it's blameworthy. An example of a praiseworthy scenario of doing something publicly is that you know by doing this deed publicly, you are actively doing jihad and fighting against a negative notion that exists about that deed, that action. So for example, people have something foul to say about the miswak. They say this is some old tradition, some daqiyanusi, caveman tradition of cleaning your teeth. Look how sophisticated we are now. Someone speaks ill of it. So then a person publicly uses their miswak because they don't want people, this is a jihad in, action, in, in reality. This is Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's statement, مَن تَمَسَّكَ بِسُنَّتِي عِنْدَ فَسَادِ أُمَّتِي فَلَهُ أَجْرُ مِئَةِ شَهِيدٍ where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever holds on firmly to my sunnah, at the time of corruption, he will gain the reward of 100 martyrs. Because this is a struggle for this person to do this deed publicly. They dress proudly in a particular way. They worship proudly in a particular way, maybe on a college campus, maybe at work, to make it clear that I'm not shy. This is an example of doing something publicly, and there is great reward in this, inshallah. Another example of doing something publicly that's praiseworthy in Islam, is that someone does a good deed, publicly or in congregation in front of other people because it personally motivates them more. This is a real thing by the way. We definitely encourage doing ibadah privately, but for some folks doing anything privately doesn't work. It's not just an ibadah factor. They can't work out at home alone. It's not their thing, it's not their vibe. You know? But on the other hand, if they go to the gym, just the fact that there is a community there, it motivates them to work out. Ibadah is the same. There are some people who are just not good at doing ibadah alone. They don't have that energy, that drive. They're not there. And they may never be there. They find joy in doing ibadah when the ummah gets together. And I think many of us can relate to that vibe. That when it comes to doing ibadah together as a group in congregation, hajj is hard. But when you see millions of people doing it, it still is hard, but it becomes easier. That if that person can do it, then inshallah I can do it as well. So there's a motivation factor. The third scenario where it's praiseworthy to do something publicly is you know by doing this deed publicly you will motivate other people to do it so the second one was about motivating yourself the third is about motivating others and this is what many mufassirun say is the context of that ayah that i recited earlier about giving zakat and sadaqah publicly because when you do it it'll inspire other people so when fundraisers say that who will give x amount of dollars some people don't like this vibe, 
But in reality, there's a purpose to it. The purpose is that if one person gives, someone else may say, hey man, if that guy can do it then, I can do it as well. This is called public sort of tashkil, where you encourage someone, do it now. This is proven from Rasulullah We all know the incident of um, the battle of Tabuk. The battle of Tabuk. Before they went on the battle of Tabuk, Rasulullah gathered everyone together and said, who will give, who will give? And Uthman raised his hand once, famous narration, he gave again, he gave again, he gave again. And then Rasulullah said, Uthman, after, after this day, whatever you do, Allah has already promised you Jannah, you're forgiven. This is an example of him giving, where Abu Bakr Siddiq gave all, and Umar gave half of his wealth. This was all during, before the campaign of Tabuk, before the Muslims marched against the Romans. Sometimes what happens is that you may not even publicly display your deed yourself, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes it to be shown to others. It happens. You're doing something privately, someone walks in. Do you stop doing the good deed? Or do you continue? That's another extreme. That other extreme is that when someone sees you, some person says, I don't want to do a good deed, or I won't do good deeds at all, or I won't do them publicly because I don't want people to see me, so I'm just going to stop doing the good deed. I don't want to be a show-off, so I'm not going to do the good deed at all. No one see. No one will see me. Right? As they say in Urdu. If you don't have the flute, no one will blow on the flute. Right? If there's no bas, there will be no basri. As they say, if there's no, uh, what do you call this, uh, uh, bamboo, then you won't have any flute. So just get rid of the bamboo, you won't have any flute. So I won't do the good deed and no one will see me. This is also problematic. That's another extreme, by the way. We don't want you to leave good deeds for the sake of people. Neither do we want you to do them for the sake of people. The goal here is ikhlas. That you do what you do because you do it for the sake of Allah Azza wa That's why you're doing it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may use you as an inspiration. Where someone may see you do something or say something. And you have no idea. Someone comes and tells you, that, you know, years ago I heard you make this statement and inspired me so much that uh, I became hafid of the Qur'an. That's a father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a hadiyah. That's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to you. Take it with joy. Sometimes a teacher may share an example with their student or with a congregation in hope that they will find inspiration in this. Right? This is a common thing that in a private gathering, in a personal setting with people that you feel comfortable, you may share a blessing to talk about Allah's favor that Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me this opportunity. The thing is that whenever you share a good deed of yours or do something publicly, what's most important is, and this is the, this is the, the statement of the night, this is one of the most important things I'm about to say. If you're deciding to do something publicly, give extra attention to your heart and sincerity. That's what you need to do. Focus there on your heart. Am I being sincere right now? If I am, keep going. There's nothing wrong with being happy about good deeds that you do. As long as that happiness is not arrogance. As long as it's not looking down upon other people. You did a good deed, you're happy, that's good. Rasulullah said actually, That when your good deeds make you happy and your bad deeds make you sad, you are a believer. That is a sign of your Iman. In order to deal with 
this disease, you have to focus on three things. I'll list them for you and we'll close. Number one, you have to focus on decreasing your love for praise. If you want to deal with the show-off problem, this is a fundamental usuli root issue. Focus on decreasing your love for being praised by other people. How you solve that is, every success in life, every good praise in life, attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma wafiqna. Alhamdulillah. Someone says that you, are, you, got a great, you, got a great, you got a great three-pointer? Alhamdulillah. You have good qira'ah? Alhamdulillah. You're regular in the masjid? What do you say? Attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing, stop worrying about people looking down upon you. Get out of the rat race of life. It's you and your Allah. There are people in your life that matter, your family, your kids, your spouse, your parents. Focus on them. Grow together as a unit. Don't think about what people have to say. And the last thing, don't be greedy with what people possess. Because if you see what people have, you will show off your way and fake your way until you can have what they have. And that will also destroy you. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves us and protects us from these illnesses and diseases. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.